Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. A shout out to our newest Patreon donors, Hugh Parker and John Hudson from Madison, Mississippi, Barrett and Alden from Glacier, Washington, Abe from Madison, and Amelia, Decker, and Emery from Marshfield, Missouri, and Noah and Elise from Cincinnati. Thanks so much for donating. That's six out of the 10 donors that we need to do a bonus episode. So if we can get four more, we'll do a bonus episode. And remember, you can get a shout out along with that. Go to bedtimehistorystories.com and click on donate in the menu to donate via Patreon, where there's also a link in the show description. Close your eyes and imagine you're a pilot thousands of feet above the earth in an airplane. You look down from your cockpit at the patchwork of fields and tiny Lego-sized houses below you. You're planning your route, but you're not trying to get from point A to point B. Instead of flying a straight line, you dive towards the ground, falling faster and faster, until, just feet from the ground, you pull up the nose of the plane, thrilling the crowd of onlookers nearby. You corkscrew through the air, fly figure eights, and loop upside down as the crowds gasp and cheer below. You're a barnstormer, a stunt pilot in the 1920s, performing daredevil feats thousands of feet above your awestruck fans. Today we're going to learn about a famous pilot, Bessie Coleman, who was remarkable but for many reasons. She was not only a great pilot, she was also the first African-American woman to earn a pilot's license and the first woman anywhere to have an international pilot's license. Because her father was part Native American, she was also the first Native American female pilot. Not only that, she always tried to use her fame to help other black people and women. Sadly at the time, both groups experienced a lot of discrimination in America. Bessie's story begins before airplanes were even invented, and only 27 years after the end of slavery in the United States. She was born in 1892 to African-American sharecroppers in Texas, one of nine children. As a child, and then a teenager, she worked picking cotton and washing other people's laundry. She attended segregated schools, but was a good student, especially in math. Under segregation, many states in the southern part of the United States had laws forcing black people to go to different schools from whites, among other unfair rules. Even though she came from a poor background and had to deal with unfair laws, Bessie had a goal of going to college, 
and as a young woman attended Langston University in Oklahoma. Sadly, she ran out of money and had to return home after one term. After returning home, Bessie and two of her brothers decided to try to start a new life in Chicago. They moved north, where Bessie became a manicurist. She worked in a barber shop called the White Sox Barber Shop on the south side of Chicago. She became known for having the fastest hands in the city when it came to giving manicures. She first learned about piloting and airplanes from veterans, including her brother, who had returned home from World War I. Bessie became fascinated by airplanes and flying. Her brothers would tease her, though, saying she'd never be able to fly like some of the women they'd met in France during the war. But telling someone like Bessie they can't do something is often a surefire way to make them want to do it even more. So right then and there, Bessie decided she would become a pilot and prove her brothers wrong. But her brothers weren't the only people she'd have to prove wrong. At the time, there were no flight schools in the United States that would train women or African Americans. But there was in France. Bessie didn't have a lot of money, but she knew that if she could get to France, she could train as a pilot there. Her race and gender didn't matter to the flight schools in France. To earn the money she would need, she began working a second job at a chili restaurant and learning French at night. She also began talking to some of the people who came to the barber shop. Many of the clients there were wealthy and influential. It was at the barber shop that she met a lawyer and newspaper owner named Robert Abbott. Abbott published the Chicago Defender, one of the largest black-owned newspapers in the country. When he learned about Bessie's passion to become a pilot, he decided to help. He published a story about her in his paper. His newspaper had more readers than any other black-owned newspaper in the country at the time, so the story got a lot of attention. A banker named Jesse Binga stepped up, and he and the newspaper helped pay for Bessie's travel to Paris for pilot training. Since airplanes were so new, it was still not possible to fly across the Atlantic Ocean from the U.S. to France, so Bessie had to take a boat. She'd been accepted to a flight school there, and completed her training in a biplane called a Newport 80. A biplane has two sets of wings, one on top of the other. When Bessie returned to the United States with her pilot's license, she made headlines in black newspapers and aviation magazines across the country. She told reporters that she wanted to open a flight school for women and people of color in the United States. But since aviation was so new, there weren't many jobs for pilots at the time. There were no major airlines that flew people around the country like there are now. Most packages and mail were still moved by trains or ships. And again, Bessie faced discrimination because of her race and gender. She was unable to get one of the few piloting jobs there were anyway. Instead of flying for airlines or shipping companies like many pilots do now, the pilots at the time earned money as barnstormers. They would fly to a new town, land in a farm, and ask the farmer to let them perform using their fields as runways. Great idea, right? They performed stunts such as loops, dives, and figure eights. 
They also offered rides to people for money. Bessie decided to become a stunt pilot and returned to France for more training. After Bessie returned to the U.S. this time, she traveled around the country performing daredevil stunts for crowds of people. The newspaper called her the world's greatest woman flyer. She was nicknamed Queen Bess and Brave Bess. Bessie loved being a pilot and used her growing fame to fight racism. Bessie worked with other activists and gave interviews and speeches about ending racism. She refused to participate in any air show that didn't allow black people to attend. In her hometown in Texas, she had to argue with the producers of an air show to allow blacks and whites to come in through the same gate, but even then, they were forced to sit in a separate section. Bessie became so well-known, she was asked to star in a movie about a female pilot. Though the movie was to be made by a black-owned production company, Bessie was not happy with how they wanted to portray her. They asked her to wear rags and act as though she was uneducated, a negative stereotype. Bessie refused. She walked off the set and didn't return. She wasn't interested in being famous just for attention. She wanted to use her fame to make a better life for other African Americans and realized that this movie would not help her do that. But other opportunities came up for Bessie. A company that made tires in California reached out to her. They wanted her to be their spokesperson and fly over the city dropping messages on paper about their tires. Bessie accepted the offer and went to California. There she flew and appeared in newspaper ads for the tire company. California that Bessie experienced another setback, this time a more serious one. In February 1923, she crashed her plane after the engine stopped working. She survived with a broken leg and ribs, as well as some cuts, but the injuries didn't stop her from flying more. She said as soon as she could walk again, she would fly. After several months, she fully recovered and went back to stunt flying. Later, Bessie moved to Florida, where a preacher and his wife offered to give her a room. She opened a beauty salon, still trying to earn enough money to replace the plane that had crashed. She began performing new types of stunts, such as wing walking and parachute jumps. Wing walkers stunned their audience by leaving the cockpit while another pilot controlled the plane and walking out on the wings. How crazy is that? Finally, in 1926, Bessie had earned enough money to buy her own plane. She'd worked hard performing in air shows, giving lectures, and working at her beauty parlor. The new plane wasn't fancy, just an old biplane called a Curtis Jan 4 or Jenny. She hired a mechanic named William Wills to fly it from Texas to Florida. Sadly, the plane was not in good condition. During a test flight with the mechanic, the plane stalled and crashed. Sadly, Bessie did not survive the crash. News of Bessie's passing was carried widely in African-American newspapers. 10,000 people attended her funeral in Chicago, where Ida B. Wells, a famous activist, led the service. Bessie continued to inspire black aviators in the 1920s and beyond. William J. Powell, another aviator and civil rights activist, started the Bessie Coleman Aero Club in Los Angeles, fulfilling her dream of opening a flight school 
for African Americans and women. Powell later wrote in his book, Black Wings, that because of Bessie, we have overcome that which was worse than racial barriers. We have overcome the barriers within ourselves and dared to dream. She was also an inspiration to many of the Tuskegee Airmen. The Tuskegee Airmen were the first group of black aviators to fly for the United States Army. In 1992, Mae Jemison took a portrait of Bessie Coleman with her when she became the first black woman in space, saying that Bessie exemplifies and serves as a model for all humanity, the very definition of strength, dignity, courage, integrity, and beauty. The U.S. Postal Service issued a Bessie Coleman stamp in 1995, and in 2006, she was inducted into the National Aviation Hall of Fame. Bessie Coleman once said that the air is the only place free of prejudices, but in order to get there, she had to shatter many barriers that were placed in her path by a society that was unwelcoming to people of her race and gender. But instead of accepting the place she was offered in this society, Bessie decided to pursue her own path and make her own opportunities. She didn't let the lack of training or jobs for black female pilots keep her from her dream of flying. She forged ahead with determination and held on to her principles, knowing that her race and gender were not barriers to her ability, that she could lift others up by her example, and there was a place for everyone in the sky. Thanks for listening to this episode about Bessie Coleman, and be sure to tune in next Monday for a new episode.